In today's show, we're talking Washington Wizards with the host of the Locked On Wizards podcast, Ed Oliver. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Yesterday, we did a mock draft, 12-team, nine-category mock draft. You can go check that out. I picked at number three. Seems a lot of people hated some of my picks. Hey, I thought my team came out all right. It projected first in the basketball monster standing, so I was happy with that. But hey, go and check it out. It was interesting just to see some valuations of players at this early point. We are, of course, yeah, 50-odd days away from the start of the NBA season. We're going to finish off. Well, not finish off because we're waiting on the Jazz. We're going to do the second-last team in the team previews with the, the team hosts. It's the Washington Wizards. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, here he is, the host of the Locked On Wizards podcast, Ed Oliver is here. Ed, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on. It's good to have you here to talk about this Wizards team because there is some confusion, I guess, with some of the stuff that's going on with this squad. We're not going to get into the merits of Bradley Beal's contract extension or anything like that, but just trying to figure out where players fit, what the direction is, what they're trying to do with this season. We're all going to try and answer that in today's show. But first, as we start off doing these shows, we just look at the changes on this squad. Who came in and we got Monty Morris, Will Barton. They drafted Johnny Davis. There's DeLon Wright and Taj Gibson coming in. So at least three of those guys are going to be rotation players. They lose KCP, Ish Smith, Tom Bryant, Hal Neto, Thomas Sadaransky, Tremont Waters, and Cassius Winston. Again, a few of those guys being rotation players. Who do you think is the biggest addition out of this group? Is it Morris or Barton? Uh, I would say Monte Morris. Uh, the Wizards, are, they were looking for a point guard. They needed a point uh, They really needed a point guard. It's been a carousel at that point guard position ever since uh, John Wall was traded for Russell Westbrook. We had, you know, and even before the Russell Westbrook trade, you know, they had Isaiah Thomas running point next to Bradley Bill, Shabazz Napier, to name a few guys. Um, then last year it didn't work out with Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, and to unlock Bradley Bill, for him to be in the best position to succeed, um, he needs a point guard that's able to set him up and make shots and make life easier for him. And um, the same thing with Chris Asperzingas. They were looking for a pass-first point guard, a steady-eddy guy with a, a high assist-to-turnover ratio, a guy that can shoot the three-ball. Monte Moore shoots a 37% from the three-point line, uh, had one of the highest assist-to-turnover ratios, a guy that doesn't need the ball in his hands. And, and last year, it, it just didn't work out with Spencer Dinwiddie at all. It was kind of like a, a my turn, your turn type of thing on offense. Um, but I, I, I like the Will Barton addition too, but I just think the Monte Morris uh, point guard addition or acquisition was the most important move. And both of those guys played with Wes Enzo Jr. And the relationship that Monte Morris has with, West Huntsville Jr., uh, the connections that they've already had, they've, they've been together uh, on trips already, that, from what I'm hearing during the offseason. So I would say the addition of Monte Morris. 
Morris is interesting. You're right. He is that guy with that high assist to turnover ratio. He's not the most willing shooter. The, the three-point volume is pretty low, and his usage in general is low. But that, that can work when you're playing with other high-usage players like Buell, like Porzingis, and like Kyle Kuzmi. You don't necessarily need someone like Dinwiddie who does thrive more by getting his own offense and, and by scoring um, versus setting guys up and being in the right position. So it's a, some of it is about fit, and I think that does make a lot of sense that it fits there. But as I've been telling, lots of people, people are so, in fantasy when that trade happened, oh man, that's awesome. He's away from Jokic. He's going to get this gigantic usage boost. And I don't really see it. Ed, I think Monty's going to be the fifth offensive option in that starting group, most likely. I think so too. I think, yeah, he was just, he's brought in to really set up Brad and set up Porzingis. They really wanted a pass for his point guard who doesn't need the ball in his hands to be successful, uh, who's going to be really unselfish too. You look at what Tomas Sadoransky did last year. That's what they really liked. Uh, Tomas had a game where he had a triple double or a double double with zero points. Um, and Monte Morris is gonna, you know, he's gonna average around ten points a game. Um, but they they really want somebody who can facilitate the offense. They really want the offense to run through Brad and Porzingis. Um, and Wes, his offensive style was similar to what the Nuggets did. Uh, now Porzingis and Jokic are two different players, two different styles, but they both are bigs that can shoot the three. Are very versatile. They're both unicorns in a sense. They can put the ball on the floor. Their offensive repertoires are just different than the traditional, um, you know, seven-foot big man, you know. So they're both guys that are highly, highly skilled. And um, so West West isn't – the Wizards, they're not looking for the for the offense to be a ball – ran through a ball-dominant point guard. They want the they want the ball to be moving, a lot of ball movement. They kind of want that old-school point guard who's, who's going to set guys up and get guys open. I've been critical of some of the moves that the Wizards have done over the last couple of years. I think getting the trade for for Morris was a huge win for them. I think the signing of DeLon Wright is one of the most underrated signings of the offseason. I just think he's unbelievably good in this role, whether that's as a guy next to a point guard, as a backup point guard, as a guy that you defend wing plays. He can just do so much, and I think it's a great signing. I didn't like the draft pick of Johnny Davis. In fact, I thought it was pretty bad. At the time, it looked infinitesimally worse um, during summer league, what's the okay? Well, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on. But what's what's the the Wizards fans vibe? I guess on Davis after a putrid summer league showing. How did they view him um, before that and at the draft? And how's opinion changed from then? Oh, it was very mixed. I was I was very high on Johnny Davis um, coming out just because of um, his his aggressiveness. Now his game is not. You know, you could kind of it's, it's it was there were questions about his game translating to the NBA, but I love the defense. I love his toughness. I love the athleticism. I love the grit and the grind, the, the the toughness that he played with the way he scored and got his baskets were through tough shots. And he had a very high usage rate in college. But I just love the way he was able to score. He could score with both hands going to the left, going to the right from the mid range, from the mid post. Um, but in the summer league it was tough for him because he couldn't get by defenders. Um, he doesn't really have a the, he doesn't have the quickest first step, doesn't have the quickest explosiveness, and you could kind of see the weaknesses and the deficiencies in his game. He would get stuck on an island. He didn't really have any counter moves, any step backs, in and outs, anything like that. He wasn't really showing that, and he he looked not like a deer in the headlights, but he he just looked like a rookie out there. He really did. He looked like a guy who was still trying to get his feet wet out there, um, and guys looked faster than than him and more athletic than him. And and he he, he didn't shoot well from the three point line in college. But you would think it would be better than the NBA because he's not gonna he he's not gonna be as ball dominant in the NBA. But there's still question marks because at Wisconsin they relied on him to score. He was their number one option on offense. Where 
here with the Wizards, he's going to be a guy coming off the bench behind Bradley Bill or behind Corey Kispert. He's going to be fighting for minutes behind Corey Kispert right now, that two spot. You know, he could, he could somewhat play the three guy, three man, but Will Barton most likely is going to start at the three and, and Denny's going to be at the three. So it's kind of, it's tough right now watching Summerlee to see where is he going to play his rookie year. And I, I do think that he is going to have um, a couple of games. He might have some, a couple of games in the G League. I wouldn't be surprised at that. And, and some, some Wizards, you asked about Wizards fans, there's been a debate about that. Some people look at it as a failure. I think as a rookie, if you go to the G League, it's not looked down upon as much as it was in the past, like Anthony Bennett going to the G League or Hashim Tabi going to the G League. Like if your 10th pick spends some time in the G League, Josh Primo, the 12th pick of the draft, spent time in the G League. Jonathan Kaminga spent time in the G League. So I don't think it's the end of the world, but now the development of process looks a little bit slower than what I thought it was going to be. Uh, for Johnny Davis. So there's, there's definitely some room for improvement there for sure. Um, should the Wizards have gone with, you know, a three and D guy, a small four, like an AJ Griffin out of Duke. That's the only guy who I really liked um, for them to get Jalen Williams from the Thunder is playing really well too. He played really well in the summer league too. So there were some options they could have, they could have went with. Uh, but at the time I really liked it. They, they, and Tommy Shepard at West Central Jr. They, they, they said he could play point guard too, which I haven't seen that either. No, I don't think that's true. Um, they might say that, but yeah, the part of the reason, though, not to relitigate the Johnny Davis stuff, is that, okay, so mm-hmm. I think he's a shooting guard, right? So they've got Bradley Beal mm-hmm. and they've got Corey Kispert, so he's behind those guys. He created all of his offense on having like a 32 usage without being a good shooter, without mm-hmm. being a good passer, just having literally everything run through him and adjusting to that role in the NBA is tough, and he wasn't able to do it in summer league, and I just didn't have that confidence in him being able to do it. So I, I don't see a path for minutes, and I don't see a path for the game, him being a complimentary guy if he's not not considered a good shooter. Um, so I just don't know where it's going to go with him. But we'll talk a little bit more about the rotation in a second. What about Bradley Beal, whose season ended early due to a wrist injury last year? We're guessing he's fully fit, healthy, ready to go. We know his wrist is fine from signing a uh, no-trade clause into his five-year max contract. So everything seems to be okay there. Yeah, so he's healthy. He should be ready for the first game of the season. Um, he, he's excited to play, of course, you know, after you get in the contract, um, this will be his first time playing with Porzingis and, uh, some, some guys that they acquired. So he's, he's looking to bounce back. He had a, had a down year last year. Um, didn't shoot the ball well from the three point line, 30% from the three, um, field goal percentage went down, had career lows in, in a bunch of categories and career high and turnovers, but he had a career high in assists. So, um, last year, hopefully it's, a, it's an anomaly for Bradley, but what happened last year? He how, should bounce back and be healthy. How much do you think the poor shooting, 30% from three, was to do with his wrist injury that he ended up getting surgery on? I don't think it had anything to do with it, honestly. <laughs> he missed a, he missed a lot of wide-open shots. He missed a lot of – he missed a good amount of wide-open wide threes. Um, he hasn't really been shooting the ball well from the three ever since John Wall left, to be honest. Um, just having that point guard that could set him up. I mean, Russell Westbrook was setting, setting him up for some open shots, too. He just hasn't been able to knock him down uh, for some reason. So, I mean, I know his usage rate has gone up and the shot the shot percentage has gone down. So, um, this this year, it we're, we're looking forward to a pounds back year for Brad, but it it had nothing to do that would do with that. He at first they were saying the basketball, a lot of a lot of all stars and stars were saying the basketball. Mm. But then as the year went on, guys were shooting better and Bradley Bill still wasn't shooting you know, league average. 
Yeah, he was uh, he was struggling. That was pretty clear all season. You're right, the assist did go up. That might come down this season, of course, with Monty Morris around and how this all fits. There's still yeah, tons of question marks with this Washington Wizards team. We'll get into that in just a second. But I've got to tell you about something that's really, really interesting. And if you keep saying that you need to make a budget, but you never do, if somehow you keep missing your credit card payments or you're scared to look at your bank statements, and it's time to take back control of your financial life. Meet Rocket Money, formerly Truebill, our favorite financial app. So why did Truebill change its name to Rocket Money? Well, this is what we heard. Truebill is now backed by Rocket Company, so there's your number one reason. And they've grown from a bill management app into a full-on personal finance empowerment tool that helps over 3.4 million people with budgeting, lowering bills, canceling subscriptions, and more, saving each of their members on average $700 a year. And with all that growth comes the next ever in Truebill's story, a new name. The bottom line is Rocket Money is everything that you've loved about Truebill, but with a fresh look and feel. So start cancelling your unused subscriptions and save money at rocketmoney.com slash lockedonmba. That's rocketmoney.com slash lockedonmba or download the app from the Apple Store or Google Play Store. All right, Ed, starting five. I agree 100% with this, with this lineup. This is what I think they should do. So I think they probably will do. And I don't think there's any debate about Monty Morris, Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma, or Christos Porzingis. Will Barton, you've got slotted in there. I think that's what will happen. But <clears throat> there are going to be Wizards fans who go, what about Rui Hachimura? We love him. He you know, he shot 40% from three. He was killing it. What about Denny Avdia? His defense is great. And I say, okay, that that's fair enough. So the way that this team has been built, there is a lot of these guys who play similar positions. Will Barton is an interesting guy who at times, and by times I mean nearly every time he was on the court, frustrated me in Denver because he would take the ball away from Nikola Jokic and try and have game-winning hero shots and try and orchestrate an offense when he literally had no business in doing that. So there is going to be an issue with getting the ball out of his hands and into Beal and Porzingis' hands. Let's just talk about that Barton fit. Obviously, the team is not super invested in him. I think the trade was more for Morris than for Barton. So I don't imagine his leash is particularly long. Um, yeah, how how certain are you that they are going to start him versus these other guys who Rui and Denny are, are best suited as as power forwards? I think. Um, how how do you think this Barton fits in there, and, and why do you think this is the direction that it starts off with? I just think the familiarity with Wes Unsell Jr. He was the assistant coach with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, coming from there, he wanted to bring in some guys that he was familiar with. I think last year we had a lot of um, chemistry issues. Yep. And um, it, was a, it was a lot of guys that, you know, we traded for from the Lakers and then bringing in Spencer Dinwiddie. So it was a lot of new pieces that Wes wasn't f- familiar with. And uh, him as a new head coach, it was, it, was, it was tough for him to police the locker room and, and get relationship with, the guy, with, these, with those guys and establish roles. So I think it will be easier. He knows what to expect from, from Monte Morris. He knows what to expect to, from Will Barton and both those guys. They know what to expect from Wes Unso Jr. They know how to communicate with each other. Um, so I think I think they they brought those guys in from the Nuggets to start. They're not going to come off the bench. Um, and will right now, um, you know, Denny's still developing. Rui, Rui, you know, could start at the small forward. But like you said, they're they're better suited at power forward at the power forward spot. But Kyle Kuzma played better than those guys last year by a, by a substantial amount, and, it, and he was clutch last year as well. So Kyle Kuzma is definitely going to start at the four. Um, and then last year they started KCP at the three, so they're not. They're not, you know, afraid of starting um, a guy who may be better suited at the shooting guard spot. You know, even though it's positionless basketball, Will Barton, I think he's better suited to be a shooting guard coming off the bench. Um, so it's it's going to be similar in a sense with that, kind of like that KCP role. But Barton can put the ball on the floor more than KCP. He can do more offensively than KCP. Um, so right now, Will Barton, he's just 
he's, he's more of a polished finisher than Denny Avdia right now. He's a better shooter than Denny at the moment. Um, playmaking Denny's better. Defense is Denny's better. But um, right now, you kind of know more what you're going to get on a consistent basis from Will. You know, may, he may take some televised shots, but right now he's, he's more aggressive than both of those guys. We want to see Rui and Denny be more aggressive, too. And like you said, Will Barton, there's a shot. There, there's some shots that, you know, there's a shot that he doesn't. There is no shot that he doesn't like. So he, he's definitely going to take some tough shots. He, he's going to make some tough shots, too. So, um, But I, I do see him starting maybe later along the season if he's still on the roster before the trade. I mean, before the trade deadline or even after, maybe they may experiment. West may change the lineup up and um, try Will as a six-man. Because I do think Will – I think he would be best as a six-man off the bench where he can just be a microwave scorer. Um, against second units, and he probably would be a, a six-man-of-the-year candidate. I agree. That is clearly, to me, Will Barton's best role. But I don't think they're going to necessarily put him in that role because, again, we can talk about Kyle Kuzma as an offense player. Like, he gets usage, he shoots, he scores. Christos Porzingis, he gets a lot of usage, at 28 usage, I think, last season. Um, he's going to score. He's going to shoot. And Brad Beal, the 30-usage guy, handles the ball a ton. Um, you don't need a fourth guy doing that. Monty Morris can set guys up. So let's chuck someone on the wing who can defend. And the guy who fits that role is Denny Avdia. Out there can defend, can be a connector piece. And I don't know why you know, Barton in that mix, it doesn't, look, is he the fourth offensive option? Is that, does he actually work in that role? He can't really defend that well anymore. I think he is better suited to coming off the bench. I just don't think they're going to do it. And that is where a lot of the confusion runs with this team is to, your know, guys might have roles versus the politics of starting. And like, I'm more of a veteran and I'm got more juice because I score more. So therefore I need to start it. There's a lot of confusion with how all this stuff is going to go. One point on Christos Porzingis. Last season, I criticized the Wizards. Hey, that's a common theme. I do it all the time. I do it to every team. When they came out and said, oh, Porzingis, his knee's fine. He's going to play. And then it was a month before we saw him out there. And then, I, with nothing to play for, he played. And he played back-to-backs, and he played big minutes. And the whole process made exactly zero sense. I don't know why they lied to begin with as to why he was ready when he wasn't, and then why they pushed him through stuff they didn't really need to. In saying all of that, I think the Wizards fans would be impressed with what they saw from Porzingis um, towards the end of last season. And how do you envisage that fit with him and Bill going? Because as you said, he hasn't played a single second with Bill and he was running as the number one guy and it worked out pretty well. But sometimes you know, getting the ball out of Bradley Beal's hands is not always the easiest thing. So how do you envisage that pairing going? Chris has looked really good in the last in the 17 games that he played. Like you said, he showed toughness too. He played in back to backs, which you know, we, we you know we didn't see, we haven't seen that much uh, throughout his career. He was able to stay healthy. There were times where he, the Pistons game, he put up 30 points where he rolled his ankle, and I was like, oh my goodness, you know, is he going to be out for the rest of the season or something like that? And he got right back up, and he was clutch in that game against the Pistons. Um, but I, I really like the fit. I mean, the pick and roll, the pick and pop. I'm excited to see it. Um, the floor spacing should be good because Chris has shot the ball pretty well in, in, the, in those 17 games uh, with the Wizards. And he's a guy where you can just give it to in the post. And Bradley Bill, the way defense is, you know, they guard him. There's, you know, per B-ball index, you know, he had the toughest wing defender was guarding him throughout the season. So, And when Porzingis did play, it showed how defenses really defended him because they had to double him in the post. And the Wizards last year, they didn't have anybody else that they were doubling other than Bradley Bill where they were, you know, tailoring their defense to stop Bradley Bill. And now they're going to have to actually pay attention and shift their defense to Porzingis. And Porzingis, he would get the ball. They would they would double him. He would, you know, make hockey passes, pass it to one guy, and somebody else would be open for a, for a three-pointer. 
So I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see if the, the spacing should be good, you know, having a five, because I think Porzingis is, is the best at playing the five. Agree. Um, where, you know, you have a stretch five that can space the floor. Kuzma can space the floor. Will Barton can space the floor. Monte Morris can shoot the ball from he's, – he's, you know, he's a, he's a solid three-point shooter. Uh, Bradley Bill, too. So I'm intrigued to see how that fit. And, and it's not – we're not we're, – we're actually going – not, not against the grain, but we're doing something different where the Wizards are known for their guards instead of their bigs. They're known for John Wall and Bradley Bill or Russell Westbrook and, and Bradley Bill. This time it's going to be Bradley Bill and a big man. And Chris has Porzingis. So I think it should work fine. Brad is a solid passer. He's a willing passer. He has done a good job in pick in pick and roll with you know using his bigs. There was a time when you know Thomas Bryant, you know he was feeding Thomas Bryant off the pick and roll. He's done well with Gafford as a role man, as a big man. So he hasn't played with a lot of bigs that can really pick him. Thomas Bryant was able to pick and pop too, and he did a good job with him. So and Chris Apps is Chris Apps was playing at an all star level last year in those last seventeen games. He looked really good and. I don't want to just bring up FIBA ball too, but the way he looks, knock on wood, he looks really healthy right now. He had a really good game against Great Britain. Um, there was another team they put against too where he looked really fluid. He's really running the floor really well too, and Brad is going to transition too. So I'm, in the, I'm intrigued to see those guys play together. I think they can really be a nice da- dynamic duo. It's a big if on health with Chris Tapps. Um, We all know the talent of Chris Tapps. He, he is, he's the unicorn for a reason, but like you brought up earlier with health and, and the knee the way they handled or whatever they, they the Wizards decided to do, um, health is just, is just going to be huge with Chris Tapps. He's so talented, but he just hasn't been able to stay on the floor. All right, let's look at the bench group here, Ed. Um, Dylan Wright, Corey Kispert, Denny Avdia, Rui Hachimura, Dan Gafford. Now, Dan Gafford was, at some, for some point last season, unbelievably, ridiculously, out of the rotation is the third center behind Thomas Bryant and Montrezl right. Harrell. Of course, both of those guys are worse and are gone. So Gafford has that role to himself. And as everyone who plays fantasy knows, when Porzingis does miss time, Gafford's going to become a must-roster player. But he's going to strictly be playing that role there. The guy that I think we want to talk about, because there's lots of split opinions on him, he's Rui Hachimura. The Wizards invested highly in him. They seem to have given him tons of minutes over the period of, of time. Last season, he had that uh, long personal absence to begin the season. Came in, did shoot really well from three. Volume wasn't particularly there but yeah that's an improvement in his game I don't really know what else is you know taking a step forward in Hachimura's game and I do believe that he is a guy that comes off the bench but yeah yesterday I posted a projected lineup for the Wizards on my Instagram feed and someone said no they're going to play Rui and he was dominating the last eight games of the season and I think there's just such a split opinion on where Rui is like where do you see where Hachimura is I don't see a starting caliber player um, I don't see this tremendous upside with him. I, I think this is him, like backup forward type player. Like, is am I missing something apart from that three-point shooting improvement last season? I just think that everything needs to be funneled towards him in a very like Rui-featured offense. Like, let him work some mid-range, let him take some spot-up threes, uh, because I just don't know what else he's doing that's useful. Um, I think Rui is a really good player. I, I like Rui a lot. I think out of the young guys, he's he's done the most. He's he's the most polished player. Um, he's very skilled. I mean, he did improve from the three-point line. He is a guy that you can give the ball to, and he knows his spots. He knows where to score. 98th percentile at the rim last year. He can really he can finish above the rim, too. Um, there, the games that he really had flashes where he showed his potential was the 2021 season where we did make the playoffs. He had 20 points and 13 boards against the 76ers. Um, and led the Wizards to a win in, 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 a, in, a, in game four to extend that series, even though they, they ended up losing the next game. Um, but yes, Rui does need to improve in rebounding. I think he needs to rebound better than you know, I think he, the, the size and athleticism that he has. You would think he would rebound 
more than he does. Um, playmaking, he's not a great playmaker. Defense last year. But Rui, Rui's really skilled, man. He's a guy that can really fill it up and score, man. Uh, when he's aggressive and he puts his mind to it, uh, when he dunked on Anthony Davis, he, when he dunked on Tobias Harris, when he's aggressive like that, dunking on Isaiah Stewart, um, he's a really, really talented offensive player. Um, and he really did improve without the basketball where, you know, he was knocking down the three. He had catch and shoot threes, 44% from the three, even though, you know, he shot 2.93 three at 2.9 three-point attempts per game, which is not high volume, but it, it was a jump. It was a big leap for him. And he missed 40 games last year due to mental health or, you know, personal reasons. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see him have a, a year where he's healthy. He started from game one. There's been years where he's been out. He had a groin injury one year. He missed a good amount of games. So every year he's missed a good amount of games. This season he will have a full season ahead of his belt where he has a full training camp where he's just ready to go. The Wizards also had a um, players-driven minicamp in Los Angeles, and there was a report that Rui has really impressed and that he has made a leap so far. So, you, like I said, I don't want to judge workout videos and off-season videos, but he's looked good, and the reports from other players is that he looks really good. So um, I'm excited to see see where he, where he goes. Now, this year is a contract year for him, too. Um, so we'll see if the Wizards bring him back or, you know, even if he's traded – before the trade deadline, you know, because history shows that the Wizards don't really keep their draft picks. Troy Brown Jr., um, Kelly Oubre, a lot of Wizards, they don't get second contracts. So, or if they do get a second contract, unfortunately, they're overpaid. You know, Otto Porter got a big deal. So we'll see what happens with Rui. But I'm intrigued. I think that I think he can definitely have a solid year. I think he's the most polished and he's the best finisher around the rim out of, out of the young guys. I would agree that he's probably the best finisher out of that group. I just I would be prioritizing guys like Avdia and Kispert over him personally. Um, I just think there's more that they can offer, but that's just a difference of uh, of opinion. And I just think that yeah. Anyway, I don't need to. Re- People have heard me talk about Rui for three years. I don't need to hear me talk anymore. In terms of the younger guys, we've talked about Avdia. We've talked about uh, Davis. Isaiah Todd was a early second round pick last season. He hasn't done a huge amount, but I want to get onto some other stuff um, here, Ed, before we you know. Yeah, focus on, on Isaiah Todd and waste out our time there. All right, Bradley Beal signed this big contract. This team doesn't really have championship aspirations this season. It's a deal which is fantastic for Beal, and I 100% applaud him for getting everything possible from this Wizards organization. Bradley Beal has said multiple times he wants to be this one-team player. That is what's important to him. So he's got this contract. He's set himself up. He's here. Do you think that... Yeah, how how much do we take Beal at his word that this is this is what he wants and he's got it? He's not going to be like, well, now I've got it. I'm going to angle for a trade. That this is what he wants and he's just content being the guy for the Wizards, irrespective of postseason success. Yeah, time really is going to tell. I mean, it's hard to turn down a $250 million contract. It's hard to turn down 35%. To it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's hard to turn that money down. So um, time will really tell because if this season goes the wrong way, say 37 or 45, then we'll see. And a big thing about the contract, not only did he get the contract, but he got a no trade clause and he got a 15% trade kicker. So now he controls where he wants to go or where, you know, you, you look at Kevin Durant when he requested a trade, he didn't have a no trade clause. So the Nets were able to play hardball and send them or try to send him where they want to, but the Wizards don't have that leverage. Um, so I think this year is a big year. Um, if things don't work out, we'll see, um, because he definitely could request a trade or if things don't work out and the Wizards want to rebuild, 
and move on and, and just get some picks, then it's 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 on his say. He could he could decline and say no and say, hey, I I I, I, st- I want to stay in DC, or you have to send me to where I want to go and play with you know some of my friends like a, a Jason Tatum in, in Boston because we all everybody knows they're their best buds and they grew up together. So um, I I do think he I think he does want to win here. There's reports saying that he wants to be the Dirk Nowitzki of the Washington Wizards. Um, it's just going to be a tall task, man. The East is just – this is not the East of of, la- of two years ago. This is a different Eastern Conference. Um, there's a couple There's a couple teams that just have better rosters than the Wizards right now. So it, it's going to be tough. And it's not just about one year. If Bill really is bought in and winning in D.C. for this five-year contract, then you do have to think about can they acquire another star because – I don't. It's hard to do it through the draft, so they most likely are going to have to try and trade for another guy to get in here. It is hard to do it when uh, the draft when you're picking your nine, nine, ten, thirteen right. every year. Like that's just it's just very hard to do it in that area. Territorial. Um, yeah, it is. Um, Porzingis, we've talked about him best playing at center, which I agree with. Do you think we'll see him and Gafford share the court together much? Because behind Dan Gafford, I'm just trying to look and remember the only other center they got there is Vernon Carey I guess Isaiah Todd you can consider but yeah not really so they got Todd's Gibson oh yeah sorry Todd's Gibson do you think we'll see Gafford and Porzingis together much or, or Gibson and Porzingis together I think they do there was also a report from Bally Sports saying that they're intrigued to see Porzingis at the four um it just depends on matchups now there are teams that are trying to mm-hmm. go big as you look at the Timberwolves you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley um, so other teams are, are are trying to go big now, and maybe the Wizards may try to emulate that with uh, Porzingis at the four and then Gafford at the five. They did when they did play together. Uh, Gafford has career high in points, twenty four points and eleven boards against the Timberwolves, and that was that was the only game that we really saw them play together. Then they played together against the Hawks um, as well. But West didn't really experiment. Now, it just, it, like I said, it just depends on the matchup. If you're playing against Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, I would definitely put that lineup in there. Um, but if you're playing against the Celtics with, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, then I don't know if you really want to have that lineup with Gafford going out there to guard Jason Tatum and Jalen Browns and, and guys like that. Um, but I, I want to see them do it. I think defensively, Gafford being a rim stopper, Porzingis being a rim stopper, Porzingis can move his feet because, like I said, I know it was FIBA, but that was the – he looked really fluid. He looked really healthy did. there. And that that really it, – it, it, it intrigues me, I think. You can try it out. That wouldn't be my go-to lineup, but I think it's something that you do want to experiment with. Um, Kuz is six six nine six ten. Porzingis seven foot three. Gafford six ten, but he's so athletic he plays like he's seven feet tall. Um, so it, it would be an, an intriguing lineup there. Who do you think is a breakout candidate on this team? Um, I would I would go to Rui. I would go to Rui again. Um, he's played really well in the offseason. Yeah, <laughs> I would go to Rui, but if other than Rui, I think Corey Kispert is, is a low-key guy that could really break out. Um, if he can improve on the three-point shooting, because his game is really going to be based on three-point shooting, well, that's, he didn't that, shoot well. That's the question. What else does he do apart from three-point shooting? He can move without the basketball. He's a really good cutter to the basket. He's a really underrated finisher okay. around the rim. Um, I don't want to go with the stereotypes because he, he's more athletic than what people think. So I, I don't want to go with the stereotype there, but he's a really good finisher. Um, he's really athletic too. He can really move. Um, so those are the other things he can do. Now defensively, you don't want to expect too much, but I think I think he can make a leap because the the spacing will be better with Porzingis, and the spacing will be better if, if Bradley Bill can get back to the shooting as a playmaker. 
I, I think Corey Kisper can come off the bench or there may be some games where he might surprise and he may start. Um, if he can have a, a Duncan Robinson leap or, you know, Doug McDermott, Reggie Bullock, or some other guys that can knock down threes. Uh, I think, I think Corey Kispert is a, is a slept on guy that could possibly break out and, and be a 50, 40, 90 guy. I think he, I think he's capable of capable of doing that. I tell you the thing is I'm just realizing with the wizards and you're talking about Kispert and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't like him either. And, but this all happens like before the draft. I have these prospects. I go, Johnny Davis, I'm down on. Corey Kispert, not interested in. Rui Hachimura, don't like him as a prospect. Denny Avdia, not as big a fan as ever. And the Wizards drafted all of them. So it makes me feel like I'm being this big Wizards hater when like my opinion on all these guys was like, hey, I'm actually way down on, on these guys. And every time the Wizards ended up with them. So it's not anti-Washington. It's just that I just didn't like those prospects at the area they were being projected. And right. Kispert was well, one of one those guy- guys. I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off. I, I think you do like Gafford. That's, oh, that's, another, yeah, that's one yeah. guy I would throw in as well. He just he really needs a point guard that can get easy baskets, that can manufacture lobs, just easy, easy baskets for him. He didn't really have a guy that was able to do that for him last year. Yeah, Gafford's a guy that could start on multiple teams. Like to me, like he's equivalent to like a Mitchell Robinson in New York. He's better than Nick Claxton mm-hmm. in right. Brooklyn. And if he was in those positions, he'd start, he'd play 26 minutes, and he'd look really, really good. Um, I thought he was uh, mucked around quite a bit last season with the Bryant and um, Harrell situation when he was, I thought, clearly better than those two guys and didn't really get that opportunity. Then when those guys, you know, when Harrell moved on, then Porzingis came in, and then he was put into a smaller role there. I really think that Gafford is one of the best backup centers in the NBA. And when Definitely. if you have to, if you put him in to start... He, He's going to be really good in that role. You have to move a few things around, but he's going to be really good. What about Ed, the other side of things? What about a regression candidate? Oh, man. Um, it's a tough one, man. I I hate to say Kuz. No, I think But I would only say – I would only say Kuz – I think Kuz is going to have a solid year. I would only say regression just because the shot distribution between Porzingis and Brad Kuzma – I don't like when people say that Kuzma just, you know, scored all his points when Brad got hurt because that's not true. Him and Brad played pretty well together. But with Brad coming back and Porzingis coming back and Will Barton, he, he likes, you know, he's going to get his shots up as well. Um, I, I think the usage rate will go down for Kyle Kuzma, unfortunately. And uh, he averaged 17 points a game last year. That may go down to like 13 points a game. You know, it might be a four-point drop over, which is still pretty solid for him. It's a contract year for him too. So I know he really wants to show out. Uh, he has a player option. Um, but I would say I would say Kyle, not not in a bad way, but just in a usage rate and, and shots shot distribution for Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, he got a lot of it done through volume last season. He had 24 usage, but his true shooting was under 55, so that was below league average. And a lot of we can talk. Actually, I've got a question about this later on about his. Yeah, production with Beal, but he did towards the end of the season really step things up and was putting up just gigantic numbers. He improved significantly mm-hmm. last season, but you're right. Like he moves from the number two guy pretty clearly, which he was all season, number one at times, to being probably three in the offensive pecking order. So that is going to cause some sort of a drop off. Now I think the question the answer to this next question is yes, but is this team better than last season? They are better. They improve for sure. I think um they got they got a they got a point guard that's going to come in and look to get guys set up and pass the ball first. Um, Porzingis is basically their big acquisition, in my opinion. I know the trade was made last year, but I think uh, Porzingis playing with Bill, they'll definitely improve there. Um, also, Will Barr, I think it was a good addition to the draft pick and Johnny Davis. They, they didn't make a lot of additions. I think DeLon Wright is a slept-on guy, too. I think he can help them defensively. 
Uh, he's going to be a defensive-minded guy. They don't have a lot of defensive-minded guys on the roster, and DeLon Wright is one of those guys. They need some more defensive-minded guys. And DeLon Wright, he can be a pest. He can get in the passing lanes. He can be disruptive. Um, and they needed a taller guard with some long with long wingspan. So I think I think they did improve. I, I think that's 100% right. Like here, DeLon, Monty Morris, a full season of Porzingis, a return of Bradley Beal. Um, I think there's no way to suggest that. Look, I don't know how how much better that makes them, but I think they are better mm-hmm. than what they were. Who's the most likely player to be traded? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I probably I probably go with with Will. To be honest, um, he's in a contract year. Um, I, I would like to see it work out with him, um, but I think it's between Will and it's a tough one. There's a lot of guys that you could choose from. Because um, I know they're they're in the Donovan Mitchell sweep sweepstakes right now, um, and they're trying. They they're trying to any big name they're attached to. They're attached to Colin Sexton here and there too. Um, so I, I just think Will Barton, just because of the money too, his money would make a lot of a lot of they would they would have to do it you know for the trade for the salaries to match since they're over the cap. Will Barton's hit of fifteen million dollars would help match a lot of salaries too. So I just think him being an un, unrestricted free agent coming up this year. I would say he's the number one trade candidate. Just similar in the sense how KCP was was traded. Yeah, I would say that's that's right. Like his um, salary rights, perfect for salary matching and aggregation and all that sort of stuff. So I think that that's probably right. Now you referenced basketball index earlier on, Ed. I've been asking all the host questions based on some of the stats from basketball index. So there's three numbers here we're looking at. Three-point shooting talent, playmaking talent, and finishing talent. It's not who had the best three-point percentage. It's not who had the most assists. It's not who had the best field goal percentage at the rim. It's based on volume, difficulty of shots, um, volume of assists, the location of assists, potential assists, driving, drawing fouls, finishing through contact, all that sort of stuff. So just sort of an idea, who's the best three-point shooter? Who's the best playmaker? All that sort of stuff. And this is for players who were on the team, so based on last year's numbers, but remain on the team this season. So KCP, not eligible for these. Who do you think would have graded out as having the highest three-point shooting talent for this team last season, I was surprised. Mm. Is uh, is Monte Morris eligible? Is it, oh, he wasn't no. on the team last yep, year. Exactly. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go with. Um, I will go with Rui because he, he shot 44 percent from the. <laughs> so, it, I, I, it wasn't. I'm gonna go with Rui. It wasn't Rui. Okay. It was Kyle, Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> Now, yeah, he okay. only shot 34%, but because the way that he was taking those shots, the self-created right. nature of them... It, now, these none of these guys even graded with a positive grade in three-point shooting talent. The two best shooters were Dinwiddie and Caldwell Pope on this team, but they're obviously no longer there. Um, Rui was actually right down at fifth on this team of returning players because the volume is just so low, and I guess the, the nature of them all being catch-and-shoots versus anything self-created in that difficulty just wasn't there. Um, what about playmaking? I'm going to go with Bradley Beal. Yeah, that was an easy one. Bradley Beal did grade out the highest in um, playmaking, but finishing. I was a little surprised here. It's not that it's a, he's not that he's a bad player, this guy, but um, mm. yeah, what do you think would have graded out as the best finisher? I, may, I might have confused you by saying that. Sorry. Right. Just ignore what I said. Um, hmm. Well, Rui. It was actually Bradley Beal as well who graded out with the <laughs> okay. highest highest uh, finishing talent. Now, this is the question I was referring earlier about Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. When Bradley Beal was off the court last season, Kuzma had a usage of 27%. What was his usage when he and Beal shared the court? You know, I don't expect anyone to know this, but I, this is just right. a number that I wanted to put out there just to illustrate the differences. 
I'm going to go on. I'm going to go with 22%. Oh, you're close. It was 20.9, so 21%, 29, okay. which is a significant drop-off. It's a six percentage point drop-off from that 27. So again, now he has to coexist not only with Bill, but with Porzingis as well. And you know, maybe he comes in with a usage under 20%. How much they stagger him is going to be important there. But when we talk about regression from scoring 17 points per night, and to begin last season, he was only averaging about 14 anyway, and then started to ramp it up over the January onward period of the season. Um, how he fits in next to Beal and Porzingis uh, and Will Barton, to be honest, is going to be something to watch because it, it wasn't that 24 usage all season. He did take a significant back step when he played with Beal. So we'll see how that all looks um, for this season. Now, Ed, I reckon that'll uh, that'll do it for us here at Talking Washington Wizards. Tell us what is going on over on the Locked On Wizards podcast. Yeah, we're we're in the off season mode, off season grind. Um, just put a couple of videos reacting to uh, Porzingis playing against Great Britain, Danny playing against Sweden. We're doing a position review. Um, also, we have um, bringing on a new co-host. His name is Brandon Scott. Um, so we'll be he'll be starting either next week or the week after. So um, and we're going to do some Wizards hot takes an episode soon. So if you want to comment some hot takes under this video, I'll react to some of the hot takes as you guys hey, or mailbag questions. Drop them here. Drop them on the Locked On Wizards channel as well. Ed, thanks for coming on and chatting about the Wizards with me. Oh, anytime. Thank you for having me on. And that'll do it. For me today with the Washington Wizards season preview, we're just waiting on the Jazz preview, but I'm just waiting for something to go down before I talk to David Locke. I am going to, I think next week, start doing fantasy-specific team previews where we look at um, ADPs, ranks, busts, sleepers, all that sort of stuff on those shows. Did a mock draft earlier this week. I'm going to do a review of a draft-only league that I did uh, later this week. Um, More stuff coming. Plenty of good stuff. Make sure you are subscribed. You'll never miss a show. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app here on YouTube. You know what to do. Thumb it up and drop those comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.